We do have a, a special message today. We've been going through First and Second Samuel, uh, and uh, today we're calling an audible. We're going to go through a special message. And uh, just to get things started, I think we have this to put on the, 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 the screen, James 127. You guys have that scripture there? Uh, so uh, James 127, here's what it says. It says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You guys know, I prayed it this morning, I pray it every Sunday strategically. Lord, let us not be hearers of the word only, but let us be doers of the word. And this is the verse that precedes this verse that I've just shared with you this morning. It, it precedes that just by a few verses with the whole idea what James is talking about to his hearers is to say, listen, um, <clears throat> if, you're, if you're truly saved, if you truly have a relationship with God the Father, if, you've been, if Jesus Christ has, has, has saved you and the Holy Spirit now takes residence in your life, then what's going to happen is that you're going to live a changed life. And living a changed life means that you're going to produce fruit. It means you're going to live in a way that, that brings glory and honor to God. And so when God's word is taught, when God instructs us in his word, we're not to be hearers only. James says if you, if you just hear it and you go away and, and you don't put it into practice, that you deceive yourself. And there's a lot of people that are deceived because they hear the word and they go, oh yeah, I agree with that. But then they walk away and they don't do anything about it. Um, and... Um, and so uh, he says, look, it, religion that's, that, that, is, that is pure and undefiled before God to visit orphans, widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Now, what does that mean? Well, that word visit in the original language, it means to look after. It means to care for. It means to provide for. Uh, and, uh, and he says, who are we to do that for? Well, we'll do it for orphans and for, uh, for widows in their affliction. Now, that, that, that term orphans, it, it, again, the definition of that is <clears throat> one who is deprived of a father, of a mother, or of a guardian. And, you know, the, the, the shameful fact is that for us as a nation, we have millions of babies, the most vulnerable members of our society, and they're being aborted. Most people are morally opposed to abortion. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that with abortion legal in, legal in our country, <clears throat> that most people, while they're morally opposed to it, they, they, they stand by while babies are deprived, not only of father, of mother, of guardian, but of their very life. The number is staggering. Since Roe versus Wade was passed in 1973, over 58 million children have been aborted in this country. That's just this country alone. Let me put that in perspective for you. That's slightly less than the population of California and Texas combined. The number is just overwhelming. Just this morning, since, I started, since we started the service, just this morning, over 1,500 babies have been killed worldwide. Just this morning. And the number is staggering, and quite frankly, it's overwhelming. Because if you're like most people, what, what, you, what you, you hear the numbers, you know it, you are morally opposed to it if, if, if you're a Christian. <clears throat> and yet, the, the attitude is, man, well, what can I do? I'm just one person. Which, by the way, and, and, and I'm going to, in, in just a minute, I'm going to invite Pastor uh, Scott Sharpen up to... Uh, 
to talk to you uh, more about this. Um, but there's, there's, a, there's a ridiculous number of abortions that are committed every year that are the, 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 the gals that are getting the abortion are, call themselves Christian. So we hear these statistics and we think, well, gosh, what, what can I do? I'm just one person. It's legalized. It's like, you know, what, what change can I make? It reminds me of a story I heard of a guy walking down the beach. This kid's walking down the beach. There's all of these starfish that are covering the beach. The tide has gone out and it's stranded just this multitude, just thousands and thousands of starfish on the beach. And this kid is walking along and he picks up the starfish and he throws it into the ocean. He picks up another starfish, he throws it back into the ocean. This guy finally walks up to him, he's like, what are you doing? I mean, there's thousands of starfish here. You, 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 you think you can make a difference? And the kid looked at him, threw one in the ocean, he said, it made a difference to that one. And I want to talk to you today, and we want to share with you today about how you can make a difference. And so would you welcome up uh, Pastor Scott Sharpen from Go Mobile for Life Ministries. Thanks, Ted. Well, Pastor Ted, thank you so much, and Brenda, for having us here today, and the pastoral team, and all of you. You know, when we think about coming to church every week, why do we come to church? Well, we come to church because we want to have fellowship with other believers. We also realize that the week, as we go through it, is hardwired to beat us down. What does it say about the thief and the enemy? The thief and the enemy desires to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We know that Satan is the god of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. And so we, we have this bombardment of, of lies and of deception and Pastor Ted made the reference to, to abortion, which uh, I'm going to talk about today. But the fact is, another big reason why I personally come to church is so that I can better understand and see how God sees. That, that I would feel as God feels. And that ultimately, I would love as God loves. Because we are made in his image and likeness, and we are to to put on Christ. We are to be imitators of God in every way that he is so gracious to allow us to. And why do we love? We love because he first loved us. And as, as Pastor Ted said, it was a sad day back in January of 1973, which is almost 43 years ago, where abortion became legal in this country. And and Ted quoted the statistic of of nearly 60 million babies since then have been aborted. So most people, I was five years old when that was passed. I'm 47 years old. And a lot of people sitting here have known nothing except abortion being legal in this country. It wasn't always that way. It was illegal to murder a baby in the womb. But now it's not only legal, but it's actually celebrated in so many different circles in this country. Worldwide, they estimate between 40, 
between 40 and 50 million babies are aborted every year. If you do the math, that's more than one per second. In this country, it's about a million. And that equates to two per minute. And right here in Riverside County, about 7,000 babies are aborted every year. Back to the starfish analogy that that Pastor Ted just mentioned. Um, Paul said that he was all things to all men. Why? That he might save some. So just because we can't save them all, and even though we want to save them all, should that prevent us from trying to do something, trying to save some? Because, again, to them, it means everything, everything in the world. As I have thought about this, this topic a lot over the last few years, as we look at the, the chief of injustices in the country, it's abortion. Because if we think about what defines injustice, well, if somebody's innocent and being persecuted or killed, that's, that's injustice. So the, the most innocent among us And we remember the story from Romans 9 where it talks about as uh, Jacob and Esau were struggling in the womb. It makes the reference and it says, before they did anything good or evil. So that there was an awareness and an essence and a substance with Jacob and Esau even before they were born. So the most innocent, the amount of innocent life being destroyed every year adds to the injustice. As we've seen recently, as the curtain got pulled back from what's happening at places like Planned Parenthood, the manner, the manner in which this atrocity is happening, the fact that it's legal, and the fact that most people aren't doing really much about it. And I'm going to tell you my story personally in a, in a few minutes. I also just want to make a point at, at this juncture that th- this, is a very, um, this is a very painful topic because as I've gotten to know more about this issue and, and drilling into it and just understanding it, I realize as a pastor, I was largely unaware of an entire sector of the congregation. They say three, three out of ten women in this country, three out of ten women in this country by the time they reach 45, will have had an abortion. And we know that as we look at data in the world and we compare that to data in the church, there's often not much difference, sadly. So there are women sitting in this audience right now, not because I know you personally, but because the statistics say so, that that you have had an abortion. And uh, I've gotten to know women who I know have had abortions, and it is a grieving thing. It is a grieving thing. And praise be to the Lord that they know that they have been forgiven, that they have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I think about the Apostle Paul, who God saw fit to author most of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul consciously killing Christians And then when the Lord struck him down on the road to Damascus, opened his eyes. 
Paul makes a reference in two different places. He says that he calls himself the least of all the apostles. And in a different place, he calls himself the least of all the saints. And I think it's because he remembered that he killed people. Consciously. But yet, we, we hear the passion and we hear the, the, the smallness in Paul's own eyes and the desire to go out and preach and to, to heal and to save people because he knew the depth of redemption that he received. So if, if any ladies are here who have been through that, just know that the redemption is there, the healing is there, there's uh, ministries available to, to heal. Um. At this point, I, I want to just cover a, a few verses here. Uh, we know that in Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 1, it says, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female created he them. So just the the precious, all the other animals were created after the animal kind, but we, you you and I, were created after God in his image and likeness. And what a precious reality that is. And what is the best way for Satan and his demons to destroy the very thing that God holds most precious? Is to... Seek to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And, and that's, that's, what, that's what he has done. Now, I didn't realize this passage in, in Exodus uh, until just a, a few years ago. But if we look in Exodus 21, we see something very, very interesting. Because again, as we come, as we come into to fellowship, as we come into opening God's word, what we want to do is understand God's heart. What's important to God? What does God value? And that is what we're trying to do here, right? We read God's word and we want to say, Father, as you think, as you feel, as you love, as you see, have that be me. Remake me, change me into your image and likeness. And we see here in Exodus, this is in Exodus 21, uh, picking it up in verse 22, it says, now if men fight... And hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely. Yet no harm follows. He shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes upon him. And he shall pay as the judges determine. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, and so forth. Now, we know in other places in the law that if you kill someone accidentally, you're able to flee to a city of refuge. Now, the the person or the family member uh, that you killed might come after you, but that there was, in effect, a way of escape if, if there was an accidental killing. But what does this passage say? It's directed toward the unborn child. So, God's heart is that even an accidental killing of an unborn child is deserving of death. That's the penalty, accidentally. Let alone intentionally. Let alone intentionally. As we look at the the next uh, verse, 
we see again God's heart. There's, there's, seven, there's six, things that are, six things he hates. Seven are an abomination to him. And as we see here in verses 16 and 17, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. So as we see the blood running through the body of an unborn child, it's the most innocent of all blood that exists. Did you know that you can actually go to, to a secular? There's actually a group called Secular Pro-Life. They, they don't even look at the Bible, but they are defenders of life. They talk about a heartbeat that beats at three weeks, three weeks from gestation, three weeks, and brain waves at six to seven weeks. So the innocent blood is something that God hates when it is when it is shed. And then the final passage in Psalm 139. This is a, this is a passage that I'm sure is familiar to, to many of you, but once again, it's, it's David, a man after God's own heart, who is describing the beauty of how fearfully and wonderfully we are made and how precious we are in the sight of God. It says, For you formed me, Psalm 139, verse 13, which is uh, emblazoned on the shirt, that would be available for you outside if you uh, care to pick one up. So it says, uh, you formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, in that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, yet being unformed. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. So let's, let's leave that up there for just a moment. So we see all of our days written in a book before any one of them came to be. And I, I just want to meditate and I want to park on that phrase for a moment. God, through David, said, inspired the thought that you saw my substance before I was formed. So, you can see my substance up here right now. We see the substance of a, of a newly born baby. And we behold that substance. We behold the substance of our, of our spouse, of our friend, of our fellow uh, congregant here at church. But God saw my substance being yet unformed. So, th- this, this, this heart of God to just want to communicate to us that he so desires that we would understand the depth and the intimacy and the commitment and the love that he has for us. That's what this verse just speaks so loudly to me. I, I want to encourage you outside. We've got hundreds of these, and I, I hope that you will uh, take one with you. But this here is... a. Uh, a 12-week-old baby in the womb. It's about three inches long. 
and everything is here. Everything is here. It's, it's the, pretty much the exact size, shape, and weight of, of, a, of a 12-week-old baby. And I don't call it fetus or embryo anymore. I call it a baby because that's what it is. I mean, we, what, what's incredible is as we've had different awareness events, it's the children that come and look at and say, oh, mommy, look, this is a baby. See, kids get it. Out of the mouth of babes, this is a baby. This is a baby. I also encourage you to look at the models. We have actually a little case that, that lists the, the seven, eight, nine, and ten week old baby. And the, the seven week old baby is an inch. And you can see the head, the arms, the legs. It's all there. It's all there. It's all there. This is a baby. And it's deserving to be protected and defended. Um, God did something very profound in my life a little less than three years ago. As a pastor, what I do is before I preach, I, I pray and seek the Lord and ask that he be so gracious to reveal what he wants me to speak on that week. Because God's so wonderful because he's got such a connection with all of us that if, if I seek the Lord, Pastor Ted and pastoral team here, is God knows what everybody needs here. I have no idea. I often don't know what I need, let alone what other people need. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, God speaks and, and then you can deliver a message. And the same message can touch people in different ways. How is that possible? That's what God does. So about three years ago, I, I prayed and the Lord inspired me to, to give a sermon on abortion. And I said no. I said no a couple more times, but finally I relented. And that sermon changed my life. It changed my life. I'd always been pro-life, but I was a, I was a distracted spectator in the bleachers. I wasn't doing anything. And God saw fit through that sermon to bring me into the arena. And when I gave that sermon, I didn't know what God wanted me to do specifically. But a couple days later, I prayed, and a very strong spirit of prayer fell on me. And for about two hours, I was in communion with the Lord. And he essentially revealed a vision of an RV equipped with an ultrasound machine with a wrap where we'd go out into the community and give women free pregnancy tests and ultrasounds. Now, mind you, I had no background in any pregnancy center. It's not something guys do. Okay, but I can talk about last menstrual period, and I can talk about a lot of stuff now. So, indeed, God has a sense of humor. But I just said, really, Lord, is this what we're going to do? So, I, 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 and then I said, well, is anybody else doing this? Is this a brand new thing? So I get on the internet, and I Google mobile ultrasound abortion. And on page one pops up an organization called ICU Mobile. They're based in Akron, Ohio, and they're the ones that we bought this unit outside from. And uh, perused the website, and within a few minutes, I realized this is basically what God had revealed to me. So I called, talked to the executive director for an hour. I realized, wow, this sounds great. I then 
prayed with my wife, Carolyn, and we wrote a check, and we bought that unit out there. So I said, okay, God, now what? (laughs) See, often the Lord will just give you the next step or two. He won't give you the whole path. Because he knows if he does, you may not do what he wants you to do. (laughs) So um, I thought we were going to affiliate with a local uh, pregnancy clinic. And after a few months, that became clear we were not going to do that. And at the beginning, I said, well, Lord, if you want me to be a clinic administrator, I'll do it. I don't want to, but okay, oh, well. And that's exactly what we ended up doing. So we are a licensed uh, primary care community clinic with the California Department of Public Health. And um, we got that license last July uh, of 2014. And uh, we had our first clinic day in August of last year. So we've been running the clinic a little over a year. We're still learning. Uh, God is faithful. And we are humble (laughs) because we often don't know really, okay, God, how do we do this? How do we do this? But... You know what has happened is God has changed me. He's fundamentally changed me. And I look at what has happened. I look at the people who I have the blessing of working with. I look at the women who were able to serve. The the babies that have been saved. And I um, I just praise the Lord. I praise the Lord for what he has done. What he declared to be done. And the journey uh, still continues here. We are still continuing on this journey. Um, I, um, from this point, I'd like to just mention a few more uh, verses here before we wrap up. Um, Pastor Ted last week talked about the, uh, the sin of omission. And, and effectively, that is what James 4.17 says. You know, there's three, definition of, three definitions of sin. Uh, 1 John 3.4 says that sin is lawlessness. Um, Romans 14.23 says is that uh, whatever's not of faith is sin, so we need to have a faithful heart as we live the Christian life. And then the, the, the third definition is here in James uh, 4.17, which says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So because the calling from God for me was to do this. I know that if I don't do it, it's sin to me. And we see all of the good that in our life, and it's different for everybody. It's not like there's a, everybody's got to do the same type of ministry, and that's the other trap we can fall into. Well, just because I'm doing it, you should do it. Well, no. What we should do is, again, go to, go to God's Word, look at what, what His heart is on a whole bunch of things, and do what we are able to do. You know, it says that, that as we are able, we should do good to all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So looking at the needs within the body, and as Pastor Ted said, this is not an out there in the world issue. This is an issue right here in the church, which is another revelation that I had. And as pastor, again, I was just, I was asleep. I didn't see what the reality of this was. And now God in his gracious mercy has shown me. And now, now I have to act. As Pastor Ted said, it's not just talking about it. It's we show our faith by what we do. Um, We then see in Psalm 82, verses 3 and 4, it says, defend the poor and the fatherless. 
I didn't know you were going to do James 1.27, but that's an awesome scripture. Do justice and, uh, to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. So again, this is one of a number of verses in God's word that we see this big heart of God for the poor and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow and the needy. And why? Why, why does God have such a big heart for those people? Well, because they need help. They are not often able to defend themselves, to provide for themselves. And as we have abundance, as we have means and abundance, we should help. Help as we are able. Help as we are stirred by the Holy Spirit uh, to help. And we see in Proverbs, we see in Proverbs 31, it says, open your mouth for the speechless. In the cause of all who are appointed to die, open your mouth and judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. Wow. Wow. I read this and I'm just like, wow. We have to open our mouth for this baby because he can't speak for himself. If, if, we could, if we could line up these, these babies, what would, they, what would they tell us to do? What would they do? They would say, open your mouth for me. Help me. Help me. I can't help myself. I need you to help me. And then finally, in Philippians, another passage that is familiar to us. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition and conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. See, God has profoundly convicted me that I need to look out for his interests and her interests. It doesn't say to ignore your own interests, right? But it says that as you attend to your interests, look out for others who, who need your help. Who need your help. I guess to close, I want to um, just offer you the perspective that we find in John chapter 4, where if you remember the story, um, it it says uh, in verse 3 or 4, it says, now Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, if you know anything about the culture at the time, uh, Jews went around Samaria because they didn't want to go through Samaria. Why did Jesus, because it was speaking of Jesus, Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Well, because there was an appointment with the woman at the well. And I love the the beauty of this because Jesus went through Samaria knowing that he was going to have this encounter with the woman at the well. And you know what's really great about that, that passage is that not many people get a private audience with Jesus. If you look through the, the scriptures, but this woman did. This woman got a private 
conversation. It was one-on-one. Jesus loves everybody so much that he went to this woman whose past and life was not laudatory and admirable. But he didn't, he didn't minister to her according to her iniquities. He didn't minister to her according to her sins. He ministered to her according to who he was and what he had to offer her. And that's really, in effect, what this ministry is. is it's, it's not waiting for a woman to come and find us. It's, it's, we're going to go. We're going to go out into the community. And the, the RV, it's pretty hard to miss. It's 31 feet, and it's a big billboard. <laughs> and we have some, you know, a website and some internet advertising that we're doing, and that would be certainly something to pray for. But to let women know that we're here. And, and I often think about how, well, you know, we're, we're here, and... I know there's a bunch of need for women to come and be ministered to, and it's free, and we just love on them, and we, we uh, our, our, um, the, the tagline here, if, uh, I don't know if they've got it up there, but it's um, the tagline, hey, there it is. Okay, we're going to go serve women, go save lives, and go share Jesus. Because the fact of the matter is abortion is not the fundamental problem. The fundamental problem is, is that a woman doesn't have Jesus. And once you have that relationship with Jesus and you know who you are, that you've been redeemed, that you are a daughter of the Most High God, that you've been granted eternal life, and that life is precious. God is the author of life. Life is to be protected and defended and celebrated and cherished and encouraged. So we go. So we go. And you know what happens, though, is that you go and sometimes, sometimes there's no, um, sometimes we don't see any women in a given day. Sometimes we'll see one, sometimes we'll th- see three. What we do is we plant and water, but who brings the increase? God does. It's God's job to bring the woman. It's our job to go. Let us not evaluate success of God's ministry, any ministry that he calls us into based upon what we see. Because then we'll get discouraged and we'll get fearful and we'll start to say, question God. But if God has commissioned and called and told us what to do, then by doing it, he is praised and, and he is ultimately glorified. So this is an opportunity to, to minister to women in their time of need, where they need to be ministered to, how they need to be ministered to, And ultimately, that ministry comes by the love of Jesus Christ. That is what we want to shower her with because we've been given so much. Um, Just in closing, I wanted to mention two quick points that uh, I really would encourage you to pray for. Number one, uh, for the first time uh, this Tuesday, we are taking the unit up to Planned Parenthood Riverside. We're going to park right on the street there. The city of Riverside gave us permission a couple, three weeks ago. And, um, you know, it's, it's the edge of the lion's den. But we go. Because we are strong and faithful in him. And not by our own strength. And secondarily, I, some of you may know this, but a law got signed by Governor Brown uh, on October 9th. And it, it compels and forces clinics like ours to effectively refer women for abortion. It's called AB 775. There are three lawsuits in the federal district court right now, and uh, 
either Monday, tomorrow, or Tuesday, we will be filing a lawsuit in state court to defend our ability to love on women without being an instrument of the state of California, the government, to be referring women for abortions, which is sick, it's wrong, and we're going to stand up and fight because it, it's, it's not right. It's not right. And we know, like David and Goliath, we are outnumbered. We are outnumbered. But we are strong and mighty in him, knowing that we don't look at the army, but we look up and look to him. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. God, we realize just how, how much we love you, how much you love us. You've given us everything in your son. You've allowed us to sit in the heavenly places in your son, Jesus. And I pray, Father, that however anybody here might be moved today to help come alongside, we would be so humbled and so grateful for that. But ultimately, Lord, this is a ministry that you bring, that you call, that you equip, and that you send us and go in faith with a high hand, knowing that you can accomplish all things through your son, Jesus Christ. And we just thank you and praise you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that stood out to us this week as uh, Scott and his staff in this, this last several weeks as we met with them was that eight out of ten women who see their babies on an ultrasound make the decision to keep their children. And um, this, is, I mean, it's just profound to think, well, you know, that's, that's, that's available to them. And you say, well, you know, well, gosh... You know, the, all the, you know, Scott had made reference to the, the videos, um, you know, that, that, that were put out, um, the undercover videos, the Planned Parenthood, and Planned Parenthood, you know, responding to that, trying to refute that. No, we offer women's services. We offer ultrasounds and so on. I mean, they won't show those ultrasounds. You know, it's, it, and, and so this is, this is a huge, huge, important uh, ministry. Again, we're overwhelmed. We go, well, gosh, what can I do? Having the conversation with him brought something back for us. Brenda and I, our family, we, um, our daughter, Caitlin, growing up, had, uh, had a good friend. Her name was Miranda, is Miranda. And uh, Miranda went through a really difficult time. And, uh, well, to make a long story short, we end up getting a call from Miranda. She's at Planned Parenthood. She's laying on the table. And she reached out to us to say, Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm minutes away from this. We'll put a video together of this. Take a look.
Miranda came straight from Planned Parenthood to our house, and uh, who, yeah, moved in with us for a time, and and uh, Sue Mahoney, one of our members, took her in, and she lived with her for for a while, and man. Proverbs 31.8, open your mouth for the speechless, the cause of all who are appointed to die. That's what we can do. It's a national epidemic, and you and me, we, we can make a difference. One life at a time. So, if you have the opportunity today, they have the rig outside, and I would encourage you, listen, we all, you know, I, I, I've had people asking me for the last two weeks, hey, what are we doing for Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, we're giving the gift of life for Christmas, that's what we're doing. And, and if you're able, and you know, they've got, a, they've got several different ways that you can help. You can buy a t-shirt. Um, I encourage them, I said, man, print those up, make them available, let people buy them. You mark up the price, make a, make a hefty profit on them, for crying out loud. Um, you can do that. You can sponsor uh, an information packet. It's 19 bucks a month, and you can just do that as a regular thing. And that's Because the big thing here is just making it available. Listen, why it's alive? Because Miranda had somebody to call. And a lot of young girls, they're, they're pregnant, and they don't have anybody. They don't know. And who do they reach out to? They reach out to Planned Parenthood because that's all they know. And so, so just getting the information out there, huge. You can sponsor uh, an ultrasound, $49 a month. Eight out of ten women who see the ultrasound of their babies will choose that baby. You know, I was just thinking about it. Brenda and I went out to dinner last night, dropped 50 bucks. I'm like, I could stand to not go out to dinner as much, you know. Um, we're... You know, that, we're going to do that. That's, that's our choice. We're going to sponsor an ultrasound monthly. That's, that's what we prayerfully decided to do, and, and you do whatever God's called you to do. But listen, we can make a difference one life at a time. I'm going to invite the, usher, the, 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 the worship team to come up, and we're going we're gonna to close partaking of communion. And as we do, um, you know, I just want to say this. Miranda's story has a happy ending, and we praise God for that, but we realize that where abortion is concerned, not everyone does. Um, some of you here, you've had an abortion in your lifetime. Uh, some of you men here, you've participated in that. Uh, what nobody ever told you, what nobody ever warned you about was, and you know painfully by experience now, is the consequences of that choice, the damage and the destruction that it would cause. But I want you to know today that there is forgiveness in Christ. 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. We looked recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, a gal washing Jesus' feet with her tears and wiping her feet with her hair. And, and the people all around her just appalled. The religious leaders thinking in their minds, man, if he knew who that chick was and what she'd done, they, she, he wouldn't let her touch him. And, and he looked at him and he said, you know what? I came over to your house. You didn't, you didn't hug me. You didn't kiss me. This woman hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I got here. You, you, didn't, you, know, you didn't care for me or anything like that. And, and yet here she is. She just... This woman has, her sins are many. Yeah, absolutely. 
but she's been forgiven of much, and so she loves much. And I want you to know today that there's forgiveness in Christ. It's absolute. It's total, complete.